Welcome to the Light from Light podcast with me, Daniel, and you. Brother Thomas Therese, comma, OP. I just realized we didn't check my gains. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, I think it's fine. It'll Excellent. Right. <laughs> you should probably explain what that means, because I think in some circles that means muscles. I have no idea what it means. Dan Dan always asks me to like check my gains, and I'm like, mm, exercise in me. I mean, well, you know, mm. well, I'm not really sure either. But I think there are two different types of gains. There's the amount of sound which the microphone takes in. I think that's called gains. Well, it's on my microphone as that. But there's also like this meaning in the gym world. <laughs> not that I'm really into the gym, but as you gain muscles, neither of us know about the gym world. <laughs> I just realized they said the gin world rather than the gym world. Oh, you might know a bit more about that. I don't know. I'm not really a gin a gin person, really. I'm more of a sort of, well, as you know, I'm more of a whiskey man. More of a whiskey man, yeah. Well, that's a, <laughs> that, that's a good start for our episode. <laughs> anyway, our episode for today is on the subject of grief. First of all, I suppose we should talk about what grief means, because it's a pretty hard word to define. Is it? <laughs> I think it is. Like, lots of people describe it in different ways. But, you know, when you're in the midst of grief, how on earth would you explain how you're feeling? Yeah. But the, the word comes unique, from the Latin, meaning, the, well, the Latin verb, which is gravare, which means to burden or to make heavy. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's where we get the word, like, gravity comes from the same root, you know, the he- mm. like, heaviness of gravity. But I think that's actually a good way to start looking at the meaning of the word is that grief is like heaviness mm. it weighs you down heaviness of being or heaviness of your your soul weighs heavy on you but c.s lewis has a quote it comes from a grief observed which i if i'm not mistaken c.s lewis wrote this after his wife had died and in it he's he's explaining a grief so he says no one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear i'm not afraid but the sensation is like being afraid so you have the same fluttering in the stomach the same restlessness the yawning i keep on swallowing at other times it feels like being mildly drunk or concussed there is a sort of invisible blanket between the world and me i find it hard to take in what anyone says or perhaps hard to hard to want to take it in it's so uninteresting Yet I want the others to be about me. I dread the moments when the house is empty. If only they would talk to one another and not to me. I can see part of that, yeah. I've never really experienced grief as like feeling drunk, but I have sort of experienced that sort of, you know, you don't really care. I mean, because how I describe it very often is that sort of everything else sort of carries on around you, but your whole world has stopped. And when, you know, these people sort of come up to you and talk about other things and at the moment, you know, you just don't care and you just sort of want to grab them and say, but, you know, don't you know what's happened? Like, mm. everything has changed now. Like, the world is a different place now. Everything is going to be different because there's a loss of something, whether it's a loss of relationship or a loss of person. And you want to talk about it. You know, you want to talk about it with other people. You know what it's like, you know, when you're talking to somebody about the, this grief that you have and you can sort of see that they're getting a bit <laughs> tired of it, you know. And uh, so I can I can definitely see some of that. I think it's a unique experience for, for, for every person, really, grief. The way he describes it is there's lots of different things that he's mentioning. So it, sort of, it probably touches on a lot of people's experience of grief. I suppose the, the point about being mildly drunk or concussed is that you, your mind is spinning mm. which i'm sure some people can relate with things are still going on around you but your mind is spinning to try and take it in yeah going over the same things over and over again yeah but the reason why we thought we'd do this subject on grief is because it's 
experience that many people have been through and well the everyone will go through in their lives will experience some grief of some kind how would you define grief i'm not really i'm not really sure that i'd i'd define it necessarily it's i think that we all have these sort of unique experiences of grief it's, you know it's become a cliche you know to talk about the difficulties of the pandemic and i'm sure many of us have become fed up of hearing homilies that constantly reference this unprecedented time but that being said i think you know we should recognize that for many of us this hasn't just been a time of restricted sort of social interaction but a time when many of our loved ones have been buried in things and that we've lost things we've lost experiences and time and relationships and dreams and hopes and our loved ones you know so there's a, a quote that I, I came across though that I think a, a good way to talk about grief which is by somebody called Nancy Levin and she says grief is honoring the space between no longer and not yet honoring the space between no longer and not yet so it's a sort of it's a sort of making sense of what's no longer or making sense of a loss and also it's a process so it's it's something that's happened, but it's also a process of accepting and integrating our loss into our lives and to moving on to a new reality. So honoring the loss and the experience of that loss. You know, sometimes we might even anticipate grief if a loved one is close to death or if they've have got a serious illness like dementia or something, you know, how often do we hear people say, you know, oh, it's not really my mum anymore and things like that. I mean, obviously it is, <laughs> it is their mum because we are co-joined, you know, body and soul and things. But there is something which has changed. There's something which is being grieved for. There's something that's being, being lost. So maybe that's really sort of how I'd first approach it. That grief is honouring the space between no longer and not yet. And you can have this sort of moving forward rather than moving on, right? You can move forward healing the past by living fully in the now and in the not yet, living in hope, the not yet, that, that hope for the future. And as Christians, of course, hoping that we will be reconciled with our loved ones again in heaven, which is why we pray for our dead, we pray for ourselves, we try to reform our, our own lives and come closer to Christ so that we can be united with Christ and the communion of saints with our loved ones in heaven for, for all eternity. In terms of the healing that, that happens, you, have you, you've heard of the different stages of grief? Yeah. When you have sort of denial or anger, you might avoid pain by trying to like trade things off or bargain things, you know, sadness and maybe a sense of sort of acceptance. But then I think you move on to, into a stage that we might call living. There's a certain acceptance of this new reality, living in a new norm, even though our life has definitely changed. In some cases of grief, our life seems to be changed permanently. And we begin to invest in life again. So it's a sort of, it's a moving forward, but not moving on. It's not denying any longer the pain that has been caused, the space that's there, what has been, to some extent, a transformative loss for our reality and for our lives but it's sort of healed by living fully in this present but also in the not yet having some hope again for for the future you mentioned something there which reminded me of one of our previous episodes so you mentioned it's not about moving on it's about moving forward and i think that would be the reality for a lot of people it's like when they've when they've suffered some loss of some kind and that could be Maybe they suffer the loss of a friendship or a loved one or a job or something. That marks you in a certain sense. And you can't really move on from it because that is a part of your experience. But that reminded me of something we said in 
the forgiveness episode that we did where when you forgive someone it's not about forgetting what has been done to you yes it's about well it doesn't involve forgetting that experience absolutely but it it means forgiving them and i think there's some similarities here with this so when you grieve you're not supposed to move on from that experience you're supposed to move forward and i think that's a very important thing to remember something else you said reminded me of a few discussions that i've had with people where they've said because we're christians we shouldn't actually grieve we should be joyful and we shouldn't acknowledge grief as a as a real thing or we shouldn't acknowledge it altogether but i disagree isn't that so unhealthy i think it's quite unhealthy personally yeah because i think grief it's a sign that something has been lost from your life it's a sign of a reality you know something's not right in that sense or something's gone something's different yeah and the love that was there right when it comes to relationships let's say it's the 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 breakdown of of a marriage or a relationship or you know someone that you you love you become estranged from or or even that somebody has died very often what what makes these things is the love that was there and sometimes that love hasn't gone sometimes that love can make things make things very acute we were talking there about moving forward then from grief and i i suppose i i would explain grief as being something that's very solitary so how we move forward from it um can can be very difficult and i was thinking a bit more about this you know how we sometimes go through an experience of grief and others can sympathize you know someone who's close to you can look at your pain and sympathize with you but really they're just on lookers you know they can offer love and support and care but they're outside of what has happened and then there's also those who can emphasize you know those who have gone through a similar experience or maybe they go through the same experience but in a sense our grief is uniquely our own because it's a road we must all individually walk but the way we move forward is found in the person of jesus he's the destination really he's if we're moving forward we might ask well what are we moving forward towards and i think what we're moving forward to is god you know why does god allow us to grieve the loss of something we could say in some sense to move forward into communion with him closer communion with him yeah and there's also you know jesus is the is the 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 way the truth and the life in the gospel of john and not only the beginning the alpha but also the omega the end or as as uh as my friend jonathan often says the telos He always says, what's the telos of this action, Thomas? What's the telos of this? <laughs> very, uh, very uh, Aristotelian. The telos of, of these things, of course, is always to become participators in the divine nature and, and total union with God. And, you know, uh, as you say in the old catechism, you know, to love and serve him in this life and to be with him in the next, you know. But not only is Christ the alpha, the beginning or origin, but also the omega, the end, the the telos, as we say in Greek, but also the way. I am the way, the truth and the life, the truth. You know, the way that we understand these things in their proper context is only through the lenses of Christ. It's only from what Bishop Barron in one of his latest videos, I feel like I talk about him all the time. (laughs) When he talks Uh, about, you know, a godlike perspective, I do, don't I? Taking these things from a godlike perspective. So if we want to see the truth of a a given situation, we have to try and see these things through those lenses of, of Christ and also then the life. And sometimes, you know, it's very difficult to see things I mean, how can we see things from a godlike perspective? I mean, to some extent, you know, we have a help with with the church and the, and the mystical body of Christ and our friends and things and the scriptures and our prayers and things, being able to see things through the eyes of Christ. But yeah, so remembering then that 
Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, the beginning, but no, yeah, you're right, also the end. We should remember that when we're in our grief, how is it that, that Jesus, you know, goes further than than empathy or, or sympathizing? I remember you asking me before. Well, maybe if we sort of move this to a Trinitarian perspective, you know, God relates to all people as creator, but creation is not only an act of the Father. Uh, it, creation is actually an act of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a Trinitarian thing. This is why, of course, in Genesis, you know, you, you have the ruler or, or the spirit hovering over the waters and, you know, we have the word spoken and things like that. So creation is, is an act that is Trinitarian. It's not only the Father, but also the Son and the Holy Spirit. And as creator, God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. He's most intimately united to us, not only as our creator, but also as our sustainer. He's united to us in a way that we couldn't fathom. You know, it, it, it's not just that he's an onlooker, as you said before, or that he's sympathizing with us. Oh, how sad. Or just empathizing, empathizing with our grief. It's that actually he is intimately united to us by sustaining us in our being. He is the fundamental constitutive element, which is a very posh way of saying, you know, you can't do without it. <laughs> He's the the reason why there can be anything at all. It's not just, you know, someone once drew a picture of a stick man and drew a box around the stick man and said, so what you're telling me, Thomas, is that God is the box. No, I'm not. I'm telling you that God is the whiteboard and the, the pen uh, and, and the ink that you're drawing with. <laughs> that God is not just, the, you know, the fish bowl. God is the reason why the fish bowl can be at all. And he's connected, uh, and the fish, he's connected to these things, not only as the creator of all that is, but also by sustaining them and being. So he's more intimately united to them than our friends are to us. Because to some extent, God is present in all of creation, to some extent, in his sustaining, in his sustaining action, in his sustaining work. That not only creating us, but by keeping us sustained in our being, God is united to us in some way as creator. But I, I just want to come back to something that you said earlier when you're, uh, someone who you were speaking to said, you know, as Christians, we shouldn't grieve for the hope that we have in us and things. I just want to tell you a story about my, about my nan. Uh, and this actually comes back to actually our, our mission as evangelizers and evangelists. My grandmother, when she lost her mum, her mum died quite suddenly. When she lost her mum, a priest said to her, why are you crying? Don't you believe in the resurrection? My nan, who is the, probably the best Catholic I, I've ever known, didn't go back to church for a long time. She did when I, when, I mean, as, as early as I can remember, she went to church. But after her mum died, she didn't go to church for a long time. And that was actually because of the lack of compassion that was shown to her by this priest. This priest said to her, why are you crying? Don't you believe in the resurrection? Instead of allowing her to grieve for her mum. And let's not forget, you know, not all tears are bad. There are different sorts of tears, you know, and scripture itself has many cries of lament. So one, maybe one reason for, for crying might be to weep over our sins or over the sins of, of, of others. St. Dominic, uh, the founder of my order, used to go to church late at night and say, what will become of poor sinners? And the tears that he shed were tears of compassion. There were tears of compassion for other people. You know, as it says in Romans, 
you know, God proves his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And in Matthew's gospel, he came to call the not, uh, he came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Dominic's tears were an expression of this truth. There's also other examples of, of Jesus himself weeping. And Thomas, for example, over the death of his friend Lazarus. And Thomas Aquinas says that when Jesus cries over his friend Lazarus, he teaches us something. He's, he cries and in his crying, he teaches us something. He teaches us that not all tears are bad. Not all tears are bad. And that when we see something of the human of Jesus, it's expressing also something divine. You know, St. Thomas thinks that his crying comes from his compassion and it teaches us it's okay to cry for our dead. My son, let your tears fall for the dead, I think he quotes, which is a quote from the book of Sirach. So I would say, yes, we yes, we believe in the resurrection. Yes, we have hope. We have a sure and certain hope, as we read in Hebrews. In this hope, we are saved, as we as it says in, I think, in the Romans. For truly, Christ has been raised from the dead, as it says in Corinthians. And if he hasn't been read, then our hope is in vain, as, he, as Paul also says. But also, yes, the Lord shall wipe away every tear from our eyes in the book of Revelation. If we weren't crying, why would he be wiping away our tears from our eyes, you know? We do weep. We weep over our sins. We weep over our, our losses and our grief. But this doesn't mean that we don't have hope. It's not a sign that we don't believe in the resurrection. It's a sign of our love. And when Christ cries in scripture, it's also, again, a reflection of that love. So there is a question about grief in terms of how we grieve well. And so the New Testament describes three times where Jesus weeps. He weeps in the garden of gethsemane so hebrews describes that jesus weeps in the garden of gethsemane he weeps over the city of jerusalem and then the third time is as you said he weeps over the death of his friend lazarus this weeping of jesus as you said your brother thomas aquinas had said that it teaches us something very important and i think what it shows us is that Jesus knows our pain. Also in Hebrews, it says we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. You know, he has a solidarity with our humanity. You know, he himself has felt grief and sorrow. Yeah, in Psalm 34, it says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And of course, you know, I, I think this is very much talking not only about Jesus, but also about the Trinity, you know, but it reminds me, you know, of when Mary is crying at the tomb. That's when she meets Jesus. Peter and John leave Mary crying at the tomb. You know, great use they were. <laughs> uh -huh. Peter and John leave Mary crying at the tomb. And in, the, and in this moment of grief, Mary meets her Lord who comforts her. And in the Psalms read, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And Christ knows what that's like. You know, why is it he appears to Mary and why is it that, you know, he didn't appear to Peter, John and Mary at the same time? He appears to Mary and he comforts her and then gives Mary a mission to be apostle to the apostles, to go to the go to his brothers. He says, go to my brothers and tell them uh, that they will meet me. I, I think it's in Galilee, he says. And off, you know, off she goes and they're given a mission and the rest is history. Anyway, I just realized it just gagged in. I'll, I'll gag out now. <laughs> What your gag? Yeah, sorry, it's an it's a north a northwest expression. I think I've never heard of that. Gagging in means sort of like butting in. Yeah, butting in. 
but yeah I, I really i just want to sort of focus on that psalm 34 the lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit yeah well it reminds me of um psalm 56 where it says that god remembers every tear that we shed the psalm itself says are my tears not stored in your flask recorded in your book so like god knows everything that we experience and has that solidarity with us i was thinking of this this point that you made about not moving on but moving forward so how do we move forward because jesus grieves here so how does he move forward and john's gospel actually describes jesus's reaction to the news that lazarus has died in very interesting terms so the gospel of john says that when jesus first hears that lazarus has died he becomes perturbed and deeply troubled and then later when he gets to the tomb it describes jesus as being perturbed again and this in the in the original it's like a sternness so jesus experiences this sternness and i know some commentary writers have said that this is like jesus is going into battle he's going into battle with death itself you know you think of the greatest enemy that we face as hum as humans is death it's like a final end <laughs> you're talking about telos but it's like it seems in this life that death is just that that finish is that end so jesus is going into battle here with that and it's not the war but it's the battle and he overcomes that death by rising lazarus so it reminds me of the psalm where it says i think it's the psalm where it says that your sorrow will turn to joy your, your mourning will turn to dancing yeah yeah absolutely so he overcomes death in this battle here through bringing Lazarus back to life but this obviously points forward to that final war on the cross where Jesus defeats death altogether I mean this is why Paul can say oh death where is your sting oh grave where is your victory death doesn't have victory anymore Jesus has victory and then we as Christians can even go further and say well actually death has been transformed to a place where it's like a meeting it's a meeting with uh with god it's been completely transformed so like I, I think grief can be wrapped up in that as well we can begin to move forward from grief by seeing that actually there is a hope there the hope is that god has overcome death and that is the the future yeah that brings us quite nicely to you know what sort of tips do we have from our own experience of grief that might be able to help other people in their grief what sort of what sort of advice would you give to people well i think the first tip is that is to have hope in the resurrection i mean we are a people of hope and it doesn't mean not feeling and experiencing that pain and bearing witness to it yeah yeah absolutely well there's a there's a saint i hadn't heard of him until recently but saint polonius polonus Paulinus, maybe Paulinus of Nola. Oh yeah, Paulinus of Nola here. Yeah. Ah, Paulinus of Nola. Yay, okay. <laughs> we got it. <there. laughs> well, he, my, did you get that? My pronunciation is awful. <laughs> it it just goes to show that you know we 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 try our best in this podcast, but you know we make mistakes with what book something's found in or pronunciation of things. You know, but that's part. A lot of it. we do. Yeah, it's part of it, isn't it? You know, a lot of the time we're coming up with the quotes off the top of our head and stuff like that. So um... exactly, but I had this quote written down. But I th this actually gives the the tip that I want to say. So he says, "Granted, our love may weep for a time." So that's really important, as you said. Having a hope in the future is not negating the fact that we are going through pain. So he says, "Granted, our love may weep for a time, but our faith 
must ever rejoice. We should long for those who have been sent before us. Yes. You know, and we could add there, we should long for something good that we have that we have lost. But we should not lose hope. We should not lose hope. Long to see them again, you know. And I, I think that, again, is all motivated by that love. It's right that we love our loved ones after they've gone. And part of that love is not just, you know, experiencing and bearing witness to their loss, but also hope that we will also see them again and also praying for our dead too. Uh, I was just actually reading a biography of St. Bernadette and she says, uh, St. Bernadette, who saw Our Lady many times in Lourdes, uh, mm -hmm. we've got an episode about some of the miracles of Lord. <laughs> but um, she says, you know, make sure you pray for me after I've died. You know, the others all think I'm so holy that they that they won't pray for me. And so they're going to leave me to to frazzle in purgatory forever. And she that said just that really frazzle. Me, frazzle, exactly. Well, obviously, it's a translation from the French, but it was just something that just really made me made me cackle with laughter. What's the French for frazzle? For frazzle, I've got no idea, no idea at all. But, you know, it comes back to that truth, you know, that love is something that is not just passive, but also active. And this is one of the reasons why we cry. It's one of the reasons why we grieve. And it's also one of the reasons why we pray for our dead, because we love them. So I, I think that's I think that's a good and uh, uh, a useful tip. I would say like the, the first thing that maybe that I would say is identify how you feel, articulate how you feel. Give yourself a language to be able to talk about what you're feeling, because that's something that I think is very hard. Give yourself a, a logos or a sort of a spoken word. Give yourself a language so that that way you can speak, you know, that grief that seems as though it can't be spoken. We need to be able to give voice to our grief. I think very often, you know, sometimes we can't because it's too painful. It's ineffable or indescribable. But coming to a way in which we are happy with articulating what's going on with us, with all of its complexity, all of its uniqueness and difference, and, you know, notice it, but don't judge yourself for it. Don't judge yourself for grieving. I would actually say as well, it's like God can handle how you're feeling or anything that you want to say to him. So I'd say, like, be, be authentic and real. And it's a healing process. Be honest about it. Yeah. And take time to pray, you know, take your time to pray just as, you know, and, and, you know, ask God to help you to pray. Because as it says in scripture, you know, sometimes we don't, you know, we, I don't know how to pray as I ought. We don't know how to pray as we ought. And in those moments, the spirit intercedes for us. So also don't feel bad for not being able to articulate what, what you want to say. You know, one of my old spiritual directors of priests I'm very close with in the my home diocese in Shrewsbury used to say that he didn't mind when people got angry with God and, you know, vented out their frustration with God because it shows a relationship. And I, I think that there's some truth to that, you know, allow yourself also some time for silence, some time to take things in, time to pray and to art articulate things also before God, you know, and pray for your loved one or or whatever it is that you're grieving for. If it's a loss of a maybe a job or, or in particular relationships, you know, in my life, I know a lot of the grief that I've experienced is not just being, for example, the death of my grandmother, which was which was actually my, the death of my grandmother was an interesting one because I became very actually convinced towards the end of her life and sort of more convinced after she died that she is in the presence of God. And I became more convinced of her sanctity because of what she went through and what she suffered. But there are other things too, like a loss of relationship or 
in the past you know loss of loss of romance or romantic interest you know and those things you are real grieving times and healing and something you said earlier about forgiveness and the relationship between forgiveness and grieving you know often forgiveness comes within the process of grieving it's often part of the process of grieving you know forgiveness and reconciliation coming to terms with things and moving forward rather than rather than moving on but you know recognizing yeah it's normal to grieve identifying what's happened to us in the past and you know what helps you personally and what doesn't for me for example like in, in the past when one of my one of my romantic relationships broke down my housemate claudio used to take me for tiramisu almost every day at whole foods he took me for tiramisu uh you know i'm eternally grateful because it really helped and you know sometimes on the journey i do nothing but sort of talk about it and poor thing would listen other times i didn't have anything left to give i couldn't say anything because my grief was had sort of it felt like it had sort of overtaken me but recognize it's normal to grieve. It's normal to go through, you know, these healing processes and identify what's helped you in the past, what helps you, but also what doesn't help you. I also found personally that sort of rehearsing emotions wasn't too good for me, but still I had to talk about it. I had to have somebody to witness to my pain. It wasn't that I wanted them necessarily to give me any advice or anything like that. And it made me actually really appreciate, for example, when my grandmother died or when my relationships broke down and stuff, I appreciated people asking me about it. You know, you can always feel a bit, oh, should I say something? Should I not? Um, but for me, I remember me personally, I appreciated it when people said to me, you know, I was sorry to hear about your nan. And the pain actually came more when other people didn't recognize it. And it was more because for me, everything had changed my world had stopped my you know my my coming to faith my going to church and everything was in a huge part down to my grandmother and the graces god gave me through her and for everybody else everything sort of carried on and some people didn't want to say something but that can also be something actually that 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 hurts you know find kindness find kindness in your life Find some meaning in those present moments that you're in. Ask yourself where you found meaning in your life today and where can I find meaning in the future and, and consolation too. That's really what I'd, what I'd really have to say. Yeah, and I, I would just add uh, another useful tip is that, you know, we might feel like we should have a different emotional response to any loss that we're experiencing. But remember that God's love is unconditional and and infinite so we don't have to worry about appearing perfect before god we can be authentic we can be real before god because he he loves us unconditionally and infinitely well we're, we're going to finish up there but i thought we'd just finish with one image a really important image so I, I was thinking about the question of what is god's response to our grief and there's a passage in luke's gospel uh, that describes jesus weeping over the city of jerusalem when he when he sees it we might ask well why does he weep and it's because of the suffering that the people will undergo at a later date when jerusalem the city is destroyed and i think that shows us that jesus knows our suffering he he can see it he knows it and he suffers with us 
you know he weeps with us and i think that's a really important thing to remember so whatever thing you're grieving over if you are grieving over something jesus knows that grief that you are experiencing he knows you intimately and he is the solution to that he is the way of moving forward as we said a few times any ending remarks brother thomas any wisdom not really no i think i've 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 gone on and on a bit just like usual be kind to yourself is probably what i'd say be kind to yourself pray to the lord trust in his mercy and his his grace for you and for your loved ones and uh, i know me and dan will keep you all in our prayers and things brilliant okay well thank you for joining us for this episode we will see you next time god bless god bless